Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, my name is Thomas Nygren. I write about Liverpool for LFCSV.se. Hi, I'm Jake. You can get me on Twitter at JakeJackman with two N's. Uh, I'm a Newcastle fan and I write for EPL Index. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, guys. And I have good news. You've probably heard it before, but the uh, the Premier League is coming back, which is obviously very exciting indeed. Uh, We're going to have a little aperitif on Wednesday uh, with Sheffield United and Aston Villa and then Manchester City versus Arsenal before we really uh, swing things from, from Friday through the weekend and then dang near the end of the month. Uh, with matches only not happening, I think on one Monday, one Thursday, and one Friday, uh, so we're gonna it's it's gonna come thick and fast as we kind of wrap up the 2019-20 Premier League season. Curious to start off with the exciting parts. What are you guys most excited about seeing with the return of the Premier League? Uh, well, uh, as a Liverpool supporter, I really look forward to see us getting the title because uh, it's been a long wait. First, we had to wait for 30 years. And then uh, this break came through because of Corona. And uh, now I'm really, really looking forward to see Jordan Henderson lift uh, lift this Premier League trophy, even though it won't be any fans around. It's a, it's a big thing for us waiting so long. And uh, I really look forward to watch football again, football that I uh, really that I care about. I've seen a few games from Bundesliga and this weekend the Swedish league started once again, but... I don't really care about the results in those games. Now I want to see Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, James Milner and all the players that I care about play. I'm, uh, I'm really tired of reruns of old games and the classical games on TV. That was fun maybe for a week or two, but now I want to feel the, feel the nerves again. I want to feel the joy when Liverpool score. Uh, I've missed the emotions that football can bring. That is something I, that I really look forward to. And especially this season, because there have been many seasons in the past that I just waited for them to end so that we can get get rid of them because Liverpool have been bad many times before. But this Liverpool team this season is uh, something special. And uh, I, I never want this season to end. <laughs> so it would be it would be great to, to see them play again, to see Liverpool in uh, nine more games with, uh, with uh, this team. So... It's great that Premier League is back. Yeah, it's it's obviously great. A lot of the same things that uh, Thomas has said there. It's just uh, watching games where you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to be quite nice. And I think I've never been one to rewatch um, like matches that they've been re-showing um, during this, even though it's a good, I guess, temporary fix. It's not quite the same as watching a match where you don't actually know what's going to happen. I think that's good, um, and it's good to have it back in England. Um, it's been 
good watching some of the Bundesliga and some of what's been happening in the Liga this weekend, which started again. But it's not it's not as you know interesting as the Premier League for me. Obviously, the team I supported in the Premier League, so it'd be fun to watch them again. Uh, it'll be good to have some Newcastle stuff happening that isn't uh, surrounded in piracy or takeover or uh, human rights. That'll be nice for a little bit. Um, and I think probably the most exciting thing for a Newcastle fan would be the FA Cup quarterfinal uh, against Manchester City, which is in a, a few weeks' time. Obviously, we, we've got a f- uh, less chance of winning it now without fans in the stadium um, and no Champions League football because I think we'd have played it just before they played the return against Real Madrid in the Champions League and it would have been a full St James Park. So that would have had a, a better chance of winning it. But, you know, we've still got a chance and it, it, it's an FA Cup quarterfinal. So that'll be fun. Um, I'm hoping that um, the team continues to sort of play as they were before the break. It's starting to improve a little bit in, uh, since the formation change that um, Bruce brought in. So it'd be interesting if that can carry on and we can just get the points to survive. I think we're, we're on 35 points at the moment, although that may be wrong. I haven't really been looking at the table in about eight weeks. So, but yeah, it'll be good to, to get those points on the board and to just watch uh, Newcastle play football again and just other uh, and the rest of the Premier League, of course. I think there's. Um, there's a lot of good things to come out of this break. I think players coming back, it'll be good to see uh, Kane and Son for, for Tottenham. It'll be good mm. to see Paul Pogba play for Manchester United. Uh, if he if he plays, it looks like he's fit again uh, and playing, so that'll be good um, because we'd have been missing out on those players during the run-in. So it's good that they're, they're back and we get to see every team pretty much at full strength because I think the majority of them will be um, with, with a few absentees. Yeah, we'll touch on that in a little bit. The absentees also, yeah, you're you're there looking for the uh, UAE versus Saudi Arabia derby, <laughs> FA Cup, allegedly. Um, but uh, we will go from there into talking about uh, a potential hiccup in the project restart plan. So uh, Norwich played Tottenham in a friendly on Friday. After that friendly, a Norwich player tested positive for COVID nineteen, and he was confirmed to have played in that match. Tottenham claim that they've had all negative tests since then, but are you surprised that a player was able to make it onto the pitch with the virus? Because it, it seemed like maybe we would have learned from from the Michael O'Neill thing. Obviously, that that scuppered the friendly with um, Manchester United. So I, I guess I thought that as soon as a player was playing, that that, that meant they were in the clear. But apparently not. Uh, I can't say that I'm surprised because nothing about this situation surprises me anymore. But it's, uh, of course, not acceptable that these things can happen. We need to make sure that the players on the pitch is healthy. The tests that they do need to be as perfect as possible. And uh, we need to make sure that the players who play the games doesn't have the virus. Because if this keeps on happening, we might see more players getting sick and it will be hard to finish the season as they have uh, planned. Uh, I don't know enough about the testing routines around the Premier League, but... Uh, it's really important that uh, it is safe because the safety of the players have to come first. And um, if if a few more players get the virus, uh, maybe we need to finish the season in another way. And uh, that fo- football comes back now is important to many people to have something to look forward to, to, to have fun in a way again. So um, I hope that this was just uh, a one-off and that we won't see any more players with a uh, the virus on the pitch. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, difficult for them to, to to get this completely right. There's always going to be a few uh, mistakes um, as they go on. But it'll be interesting to see f- 
from this if anybody else in during the match actually caught the virus that i guess it's another layer of research that we might not have had before so you know you've got to take the positive from it but you you hope that with the Premier League coming back and so many matches being played in such a short amount of time that they're going to get the testing um a lot more um just um streamlined and, and effective and to, to make sure this doesn't happen it's a warning i guess is the warning sign it's not positive but if the Tottenham players are coming back negative now it's um no damage was done although that's that's not that's not to say um there wasn't a mistake made but you know you've got to try and take the positives from it and and think that um nobody else caught the virus because of because of this error but you know it, it this is a brand new um process and and you know um health and safety protocol that we've never had before so it'd be it would be strange if they if they got it completely spot on, but yeah, it, it it's not it's not a good look, and especially just days before the actual Premier League starts up again, to have something like this happen just sends massive warning signs and sort of backs up those people that don't want it to come back and still think it's not safe for it to come back. It it does sort of back up that that sort of the argument, but if if no further damage was done, the players are now in isolation. You'd hope that going forward, especially with competitive matches being played this week that they're going to get things a lot more streamlined and something like this won't happen again as you say i think a warning sign is a really good way of phrasing it because i doubt even this or or even if we get multiple right before the restart uh positive test i mean i don't think it would stop project restart from restarting i, I think we're getting matches on wednesday regardless at this point i think we're a little too far down the road to call things off again uh, the way that had to happen in mid-march but uh, but as you say it it should be heated as a warning and making sure that everybody is tested more thoroughly and i know a lot of the quicker tests are less reliable so i, I i'm a little worried that, that that's how things are going to be run especially if you're doing tests on entry and exit there's a chance that one of the early ones returns a false positive, but there's an equal chance that one of the ones on the way out could could supply a false negative. I uh, wish Joshy was on to, <laughs> to make sure I'm talking correctly, but uh, that's my perception at this point anyway. So, yeah, uh, really worried about inter-team spread. Within a squad, obviously, that was a concern. That's why teams were, were training in small groups. Then we got past that stage. I think it's stage two of, of the restart process. But, yeah, it just... Just a little, a little concerning uh, as we head into the next week. But as we say, Tottenham players still all testing negative. I don't think we'll know until Tuesday from the next batch of testing that that, that has maintained. But at least in, in the quicker testing, uh, like I said, no Tottenham players uh, seem to have caught it from that one Norwich player who remains unnamed, obviously. Um, other players might be missing for other reasons, though, <clears throat> because a lot of Premier League players have yet to sign their short-term extensions through the end of the season. Uh, Jan Vertonghen, Ryan Fraser, Jeff Hendrick, Willian. These aren't like the superstars of the Premier League, but all of them regular starters for their teams. Do you think that most of these players in particular, or just in general, most players that are eligible for the short-term contract will sign them in time? And if not, what, what perception do you think will be had about the players that don't? Um, this is a really tough question to answer. Uh, I do believe that most of them will sign a contract to play the remaining games, but... It's a big risk to take in this situation because the players in the Premier League now are in a situation where the preparations have been uh, strange and it's hard to say what will happen when the league starts. Uh, we talked on our podcast today with a uh, Swedish uh, physiotherapist about uh, what kind of injuries that will be more frequent now and he said that the risk of getting injured is a lot bigger now than earlier yeah. during the season. 
And uh, of course, it depends a lot on which kind of player you are and uh, what resources the club have, how many games you have to play and so. But I think that many of these players will be more afraid to get injured now than before. And with the uh, insecurity when it comes to the club's finances uh, all around Europe in this upcoming transfer window, an injury might uh, make it harder for them to get a good contract elsewhere. So even as a supporter, of course, I would be furious if a player in our club didn't sign an extension for the rest of the season. But uh, Which I think is the case with Lana now. Yeah, he signed, he signed for the oh, okay. rest of the season. And um, in his case, of course, he, he wants to be there to celebrate the title. And he, he's been at the club for a long time and he's... Uh, he knows uh, Klopp is uh, an admirer and so So, I, w- I would have been surprised if he didn't sign the extension. But uh, uh, it's, it's a very special situation that we're in. And uh, you can't blame the players if they don't want to sign an extension because the risk of getting injured is bigger. And it, it will be harder to get a new club in uh, the next transfer window. So they need to think about the future as well. But... It's easy for me to say because I don't have any important players in the squad that uh, that haven't signed yet. So I can totally understand as a supporter if uh, if you're furious in the players who don't sign. But uh, it's it's a it's a very tough question for them because if a player like uh, Ryan Fraser plays a few games and then get injured, and uh, maybe the clubs around that uh, wanted to sign him before that they don't uh, they don't dare to put their money on him this summer. And uh, then what happens to him? So, yeah, it, it's it's a really tough call. But I think I think most of them will sign in the end. But I don't think everyone will. Yeah, it's it's, it's a difficult one. We've spoken about it a little bit on the on the championship show recently because yeah, um, in in that division they've got Lyle Taylor's obviously the big one. He plays for Charlton currently in the relegation zone. He's their top scorer, um, best player. Um, if he if he doesn't play, their chance of survival obviously decrease a lot. He's come out and said he won't play, but it, it's since um, stuff has since come out today that, that suggests he might he might have changed his mind. He might sign a short term extension. So these things are very fluid situations. They keep changing. Um, but the problem for a lot of these players is they've got their value is actually increased because of this pandemic. They like Ryan Fraser before he might have had options to join um, I don't know West Ham or um, teams of that sort of level in, in the Premier League, um, but because of the virus and the trans, uh, the transfer budgets that are likely to decrease. Now, someone like Tottenham or Arsenal might be interested in him. Um, so, for players like that, I can understand why they wouldn't want to play and increase the chance of injury, and in the process, decreasing the chance of getting that big transfer away. It, it's understandable at a professional level, but of course, if you're a supporter of one of those clubs, it's difficult to to understand, especially somebody like Ryan Fraser. Um, He's come. He's played for Bournemouth for for a long time. He's been on the journey up to the Premier League, and for him to leave when they're in a a, a fight against relegation um, would sa- sort of leave a sour taste in the mouth for for Bournemouth fans. So he's obviously the highest profile one. Um, there's obviously Vertonghen at Tottenham. I don't think Tottenham have a great deal of of defensive strength and depth. Um, so I'm interested to get your your thoughts on it as well in in, in regards to that particular situation but but for Newcastle we've got a few players coming out of contract we've got Javi, Javi Mankio um, who would probably play quite a lot for the rest of the season he's probably been our best right back this season so if he did, didn't sign a short-term extension that would be a bit of a blow there's obviously Matty Longstaff whose contract situation is 
very difficult. He still hasn't signed an extension. He's got big interest from foreign clubs um, prepared to offer him big wages. Um, and I think what, what the club are trying to do is offer, um, and, and Andy Carroll as well. So we've got three players. And from what I was reading this week is that the club are planning to offer year, year extensions or, or more. They're not going to offer the temporary extensions. They're going to offer a little bit more stability to ensure the player does stay on um, because it, giving them a short-term extension, I, I think players are more likely to say no to that. Um, so you might get, you might see players getting longer contract extensions and staying at these clubs for at least another year to ensure they're available for the rest of the season. So it's been interesting if that plays out at other clubs as well. I think some of the more high-profile ones like Willian, I can't see him staying at Chelsea past the end of the season. Um, but I'm not sure they have the the strength and depth issues that other players would have, uh, Bournemouth especially, um, and Tottenham with Vertonghen as well. So, Vin, just get your thoughts on it, Kev. Do, are you worried about it, or do, can you, if he was to leave um, at the end of June, would that sort of sour things for you? I'll be honest. It, it kind of uh, is a weird situation with Vertonghen because allegedly we've already basically told him that we won't be signing him for next season, which leaves him in a really interesting spot. And, and when you talked about if I would feel upset, I think that's kind of one Vertong in the PR war to an extent. Um, because if it, things were still vague, uh, you know, maybe you stay, maybe we sign you next year. I think that's a lot more palatable than play for us at your risk and we're letting you go next year. Um Obviously, all, all of the talk eternally has been from Italy and, and interested in him. We've heard from Belgian media that it's likely Vertonghen will sign his short-term contract despite all that. I think the deadline is the 26th. Shouldn't have said that, but <laughs> could, could be wrong on that one. But uh, it's definitely before the actual deadline. So we'll, we'll know in a little bit of time, but obviously that's well past when the restart starts. Uh, as for the actual club, I don't think Vertonghen is in the top choices at Tottenham right now. I think both uh, Davinson Sanchez and Tanganga have kind of passed him on the, pardon the Americanism, depth chart um, at center back. Obviously, the, these matches are going to come thick and fast, so I wouldn't be surprised if he would get minutes towards the end of the season if he does stay. But for him, you know, he isn't probably going to be relied on all too frequently. He's already told that, that he won't be staying next season. So if there was any player that I think would be able to just kind of walk away cleanly without too much uh, vitriol or anything, I think he'd be able to do it. But as you guys are saying, it, it's all fluid. Any of that can change at any point. But um, I think at this point, I think he'll probably sign the short-term extension and leave in the, in, in well, I was about to say in the summer, like we aren't already in it, um, but leave after this uh, short contract extension. But I, I similarly wouldn't be surprised if he left. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 a weird one, and uh, I know you've talked about it a lot on the championship show, as you said. But it, I personally would find it difficult to to really begrudge a player for doing it, as you say, Ryan Fraser. That one's that one's tough. Um, like in the championship, as they're fighting relegation, if after all he's done for that club, he he bailed right now. I do think that would be a bad look for him. But as as a person, I don't think I would begrudge players trying to just look out for their you know personal health. And finances, it, you know, loyalty, as we've talked about on the show, exists as long as it benefits both parties. As soon as it doesn't, it doesn't really exist. So not personally too mad about it in general. And, and as I say, wouldn't be particularly mad at Vertonghen if he, if he chose to move on. It would just be a little sad that we would have missed Vertonghen's last match without knowing it.
All right, we will wrap up with a uh, topic that's a lot more serious than that one. Not that that one wasn't. Um, so as part of Project Restart and in response to all of the nationwide protests following the death of George Floyd in the United States, uh, the Premier League has decided that on Restart, uh, nameplates on the back of kits will say Black Lives Matter and will be accompanied by a logo. Obviously, the return of the Premier League is going to be a massive viewing event, especially with some countries still in lockdown and just because people have missed it so so much. So this is going to be a huge platform for something like this to happen. How important do you think it was for the Premier League to take a stand like this? Uh, I think it's great that the clubs take a stand in this in this important question and I wouldn't mind them doing it uh, more often. Uh, in one way, this is quite an easy thing for, for them to do because it doesn't cost them anything, really. It's, more, it's a nice sign, of course. But it, I think it's even more important to see the clubs work on, in, on these questions every day, from uh, how to prevent racism on the stadiums to how they hire people to the club and the salary and so on. Uh, because I think that is one thing that can make a real difference. Of course, this is a good sign to the rest of the world that the Premier League is behind the Black Lives Matter movement. But uh, I think the, there's a lot to be done in the Premier League as a, as a whole in, uh, in the change, uh, change the way that they treat other people. And um, there are many other things, of course, in the football world that I would love to see players take a stand on. If you look at the, the World Cup in Qatar coming up, even though many people have died building in the arenas without any rights, uh, I think um, most peop- most players will go to Qatar and play because it's a World Cup and they don't want to lose the chance of being there. So um, may- maybe they need to do even more things that uh, cost them to put pressure on uh, on FIFA and uh, FA and so on to, to make a real difference. Uh, the- in this situation, I think it's, of course, nice to see the players take a stand. But um, I would love to see them do it more often and to do maybe even do some things that cost a bit more than to just uh, change a few, change uh, logos and uh, nameplates. It's a good thing, but I, the football players today are very powerful. A lot of people look up to them and they got a big, uh, many people care about what they do. So they have a chance to, to make a difference. And um, it's, it, I love to see players like Raheem Sterling talk in the media nowadays about his situation. And I think that he's uh, doing a big difference. And I want to see more players do that. Um, I, I love to see this Black Lives Matter movement around the world. And uh, it's great that Premier League is doing what they can. But uh, hopefully we'll see a few changes in the upcoming years that really can make uh, an even bigger difference. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great thing, um, and it, it's a positive step for the Pro League. Uh, no other leagues across Europe that are currently playing have done anything as wide um, as widespread as this, um, including all the clubs, which I think is a great move. It definitely raises awareness. Um, and if you just take a quick look on social media after Raheem Sterling's comments early in the week, um, still shows that there's a lot needed to to educate in this country. Um, I still think it, that there's a, a low level uh, of racism that does exist um, in within football in this country, whether it's um, purpose, purposefully or, or just accidentally or just something that's become so co- um, common, such as the lack of managers 
Sterling's points on that were, were completely correct. Um, and I'd like to see more, more done on, on a more widespread scale in the uh, within the FA and the Premier League to sort of um, take care of those issues and, and improve on them so we don't need to have these discussions any longer. Um, because that's one that's been going on for for years and, and still there's not, you know, you, you see Frank Lampard managing in the Premier League uh, and Sol Campbell struggling to get a similar opportunity. There may be other reasons for that, but, you know, it's, we'd like Sterling says, it, it, to see more people that, that, um, that black players can relate to uh, in those positions would be, would be a positive step. So, and, and that's not only all in, in coaching, it's in, in the, in the Premier League as well, um, you know it, this is a great step, and I think that it, it will raise awareness for it. But there's a lot more that needs to be done. Um, so it, hopefully, this is the start of quite a powerful movement in foot, in football, uh, both in Europe and in, in in this country. And that would be great to see if if that is the starting point. Yeah, I agree with both of you. This isn't um, the most that they could do, but it is more than the least that they could do, which I think is really encouraging. And uh, I've been having a lot of talks with uh, my here in the States friends about it, obviously, since this is kind of the the hotbed of it, although I certainly respect and appreciate the fact that the the movement has kind of gone international, uh, especially of late. But I think the most important thing right now is with some of the leadership in Western countries, not going any deeper than that, there has been this understanding within intolerant communities that they were the normal, that that other people in positions of power held their opinion so it was okay to hold them and that they were welcomed for having them. And I think the number of places that are making it very clear that they have no interest in having that kind of person either represent them or be part of them is very important. So having people that are either, uh, even even neutrality, I feel is no longer acceptable. So having something like Black Lives Matter stamped on a Premier League kit makes people that are of differing, if not antagonistic opinions towards either that phrase or the movement on a whole, it makes them feel like they aren't welcome there. It even happened in NASCAR here. I know that people might not be well-versed about NASCAR in England, but it is a very heavily... Uh, followed air quotes sport uh especially in southern states where there's a lot more uh overt racial issues here so just giving let's just call it what it is giving racists less places to go and feel comfortable i think is very important uh to kind of stop this surge that we've seen just globally uh, of people with that opinion both acting out uh in passive ways and acting out in aggressive violent ways um, so yes, they, the Premier League can do a lot more. Hopefully they will in future. But just taking away that idea that racists are welcomed within the Premier League family, I think is fantastic. I think seeing what West Brom did um, by telling one of their own supporters that he wasn't going to be re-upping his, uh, his season ticket for, for racial reasons. They're like, bye, you won't be missed. I just think there needs to be more of that because we've just been in this general political climate of both sides matter, of every opinion matters, and on this, that just isn't the case. There, There is really one right uh, viewpoint on this, and it is that Black Lives Matter, and I think the more people that say it, the better the world will be, because it will shove all of the uh, people with bad opinions back into their hidey holes rather than thinking they can flaunt it in public and that it's acceptable.
All right, went on a bit of a rant there, but we will take a quick break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back. Thomas, we'll start off with Liverpool. It's been a while since you've been on, uh, less since we've had anybody from Liverpool on, but still, <laughs> still quite some time. I wanted to start off with a fan thing. I know you were trying to get over... Um, for what would have been the title deciding match, obviously, uh, COVID both delayed that date and wouldn't have allowed you to fly there anyway. But we've heard a lot, and we've talked even on this show before, about this perception that Liverpool fans would be the ones that would ruin the in-person matches for everybody. Not in-person, but but in your home stadiums, as opposed to doing the neutral venue thing. Do you think that that was unfairly levied at Liverpool fans, or do you think it was just because you have the chance of winning the title, especially after so long, that any fan base in that situation would, would gather for that um, I think that's how it's a hard question but of, of course um, I can understand that a lot of neutral were uh, nervous that Liverpool fans would gather to celebrate the title and as you said I, I had uh, prepared to, to go to Liverpool I had my flight booked and I had my hotel fixed and um, then Corona came and uh, yeah, it wasn't just meant to be and uh, I think that um, in the end, I can't see that the Liverpool supporters would do anything to to make make this restart harder because I think that we have is the club that really that the most want this season to end in a good way because we want the title so much. So I can't see that we the, our celebrations would be in a way that would disturb the start of the Premier League again. Um, now that this, now that they can, we can play games in Liverpool, no need for neutral venues, and so of course it's uh, it's good. I understand that uh, the FA were a bit scared about the celebrations, but I think that uh, I was never really worried about that because um, the Liverpool supporters want to win the league so much. So to celebrate in a way that would make us uh, lose the title or not to being able to finish the season. I think that would be, I, I have a real real trouble to see that happen. I, now I'm really satisfied that we're going to have a chance to finish the season in a way that at least we get a chance to win the title. Maybe not in front of the fans, but we waited 30 years. So if we have to celebrate alone in our apartments, I think that is better than to keep on waiting. 
Yeah, well, certainly uh, envious of what could be this uh, very short march uh, to the title, perhaps. All right, and we'll go to a little bit of transfer news, since you basically have this season wrapped up, although I'm sure we'll discuss it uh, when you formally do. But uh, obviously, the Timo Werner saga was dragging on for quite some time. It seemed like he was set to come there. Klopp had even talked to him uh, a little bit during the quarantine, allegedly. But then, last second, seems like he's reverse course to Chelsea only hasn't been official uh, because Chelsea can't get their medical staff there and then get them back in time for them having to look after their own club uh, during Project Restart. But uh, are you disappointed to not land a player like Timo Werner? I know striker or attacking midfielder were, were positions that Liverpool were looking for, or is it hard to be too upset about anything as a Liverpool fan at the moment? Yeah, I would have loved us to sign Timo Werner because uh, we lack a bit of depth in the attack. We have um, maybe three of the best players in the world from the start. But when, when if uh, Salah, Mane or Firmino gets injured, it's Divock Origi behind them. And it's not, it's, it's a bit far behind them if you look at his qualities. But if you look at the situation in a sober way, I can totally understand that we didn't go for him as much as we, I thought that we would. Because to start with, we don't, we don't know what will happen in the future. We don't know when we'll see stadiums packed with the supporters again. We don't know if there will be a Champions League next season. So the the economical part of uh, football is in, in a very special position. So I guess that we didn't want to, to do anything that could um, make it harder for us in the future uh, because we're in a good position. We have a great squad. We have a We've, we've never been better at that when that we are right now, so it's hard to be too mad about us not signing a player. But we need to start to look at the squad in the future because many of our players are they are peak, they're at the peak right now. And uh, Salah, Mane, Firmino, many of even the midfield, Vinaldum, Henderson, many of them are uh, getting closer to the thirties. Henderson is going to be thirty this year, and. Uh, we need to switch a few players in the upcoming years, and uh, Timo Werner could have been a great addition to our squad. But to pay that amount of money for a player that maybe wouldn't start in many of the games in the next season would have been uh, maybe it wouldn't have been very wise in the situation that we're right now, because maybe next season will be a bit shorter. We might not play too many games, and uh, the Olympics that was. One issue for us, because Salah would have played for Egypt in the Olympics, has been uh, moved, so we don't have that problem. I'm not sure if the um, uh, African Cup of Nations have been uh, cancelled yet, but I think that they will move that one as well. And then that uh, takes away the problem of uh, Mane and Salah being away for, in, uh, for us in January. So um, I can understand that we didn't sign Timo Werner. I think, I think we might add a few players when the transfer window opens, but... Uh, Maybe cheaper options, maybe a few um, free transfers. We might even see a, a swap deal somewhere. But I think that we, I think we'll sign players when we have uh, sold players that we don't make uh, adventure our um, economy. And uh, I love that Liverpool uh, uses their money wisely. That we don't overspend and put us in a situation where we don't uh, have the money we need. Uh, I think the team Werner would have suited us good. Yeah, I think he will do. Unfortunately, I think he will do very good at Chelsea, but uh, I'm not too upset that we didn't sign him. 
Gotcha. Well, we'll move on to Jake now. A bit of a different player issue, uh, a player that already plays for you but might not get the chance to, uh, in Paul Dummett. It seems like a bit of a strange situation. Would you mind walking us through it? Yeah, so during, um, I think it was in January, Paul Dummett got a, a season-ending injury um, and a, we, we got to the point where we'd, we'd maxed out our Premier League squad Um so we had to go get a replacement. Um, obviously, Jetro Willems was, was injured as well, so we left without a left back. So we had to go and get another one. Um, and Danny Rose came in, and we had to unregister Paul Dummett from the Premier League squad to register Danny Rose. So that was what happened there. Obviously, the break has allowed Dummett to get back to full fitness. Um, they were hoping that the Premier League would would relax their squad registration rules as they have done with substitutions and. Uh, match day squad sizes. They're hoping that they'd be able to register a few more players, but I, I don't think it's been absolutely confirmed yet. But I think the indications are that that won't that won't be allowed. And so, if if that is the case, I think Paul Dummett will not will not be able to play for Newcastle for the rest of the season. Not because he he's injured or we don't want him to play us, because we we can't play him as he's not in our twenty five man Premier League squad. So it's a bit of a disappointment. Uh, I'm not sure if. If that changes, if players don't sign contract extensions and leave the club um, before the end of June, if we can then register him, but I'm, I'm not sure. But uh, I think there's a few other players in the Premier League probably in a similar position. Players coming back from loans um, from other uh, leagues might be in the same position. Or uh, Tom Heaton is another one who was injured um, and, and is now back. But I'm not, I don't think Aston Villa will be able to register him if we're unable to register Paul Dummett. So yeah, it's a bit of a, a weird one. You think that with all the the things the Premier League is putting in place to, to make it easier for clubs. You'd think this is something they would do, but the, the indications are that they won't. So, yeah, he'll be missing for the rest of the season, which is a bit of a disappointment, but it, it was confirmed this week uh, that Danny Rose will be staying on till the end of the season. I think we've, we've come to an agreement with Spurs, so that's, that's a good thing. We, we still do have a left-back, but the, the cover in that position uh, is thin, and looking at the the fitness Danny Rose has come back in to, to say he doesn't look much fit would be <laughs> being generous. <laughs> it, it's it, probably going to be a, a worrying position uh, for us. So hopefully he can come through and do well and sort of show that he still has like, the ability that that everybody think knows he does have. Um, and it, it maybe he's playing for a, a longer term contract. So that would be good if he plays well. But yeah, we're really going to need him. Um, him and Matt Ritchie covering that in that position because we, we can't register Dummett, which is a disappointing. Um, you'd think that, yeah, that, that we would have been allowed to, but yeah, apparently not. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to talk about was, I feel like it was just before the end of uh, football, but maybe it was a little bit before that. We were talking about how your attack was finally clicking, obviously uh, helped you advance in, in the cup. Um, and then obviously everything just gets dragged to a halt. You're 10 points uh, clear of the relegation battle, so I don't think that's really in context here, but do you think you'll be able to kind of pick up with that, you know, your attack starting to find itself, Joel Anton scoring at least in the cup, uh, Almiron starting to find his legs, or, or do you think it'll be another warm-up for that group? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how it goes. I think we'll probably stick to playing four at the back and having um, Almiron playing centrally behind the striker, whether that be Gale or, or Joe Ellington or um, Andy Carroll, I think Dwight Gale had the position before we finished, but I think Joelinton has been playing pretty well in the friendlies, and he, he looks like the type of player that might benefit from playing in, in um, a stadium without fans, at least in the short term, while he's building up confidence in the Premier League. I think he, he might benefit from it. So I, I think we 
if we continue with it and we play a little bit further off the pitch as we were, um, we might do quite well. Um, we've got uh, St. Maximin, obviously, on the left, who, who was starting to find form. He got the winner against Southampton in our final game before the break, so he, he was starting to come into form and showing a little bit more. Almiron was playing very well in his central role, got the two goals against West Brom. He, he was showing more of a threat and he looks like he was more comfortable on the ball in those central areas so hopefully he stays there and it, with him in that central position you've got the ability of him trying to get in behind um, centre-backs as opposed to full-backs who are normally not as quick so that that's probably the position where you can cause more damage in the Premier League um, and we also have uh, Valentino Lazaro who's another one of our loanies that we've agreed an extension for from Inter Milan who I think was signed to play right wing back, but now since we switched formation, he was starting to play a little bit on the right wing, and, and a lot of fans excited to see what he could do. He got quite a good record in the Bundesliga um, last season with Hertha, so it would be good to see if he can um, pick up some form. He, he did get a goal um, in the FA Cup as well, so um, and, and we've also got Richie at, at, who could play there, um, who might have to do a little bit more at left back, as we were just talking about a minute ago. So. I think we've definitely got a lot of pace in our front line. Um, I'm just hoping that, that we do stick with it and that we can start to to create a few more chances because for the most of the season, in that four, three at the back formation we were playing, which was, which was pretty much five at the back, it was very difficult to watch. And you had Elrond and, and St. Maximum trying to run from from the edge of their own box to the, to the edge of the opponent's box, which just isn't feasible. They've both got talent running with the ball but if they're picking it up on the halfway line as opposed to on the edge of their own box they've got more of a chance of actually making things happen so yeah hopefully we stick with it and, and the indications are in the friendly we are with playing that formation so I think that we will start to see them cause a few more problems um, as they were before the break which is which would be encouraging to see um, and hopefully we can finish the season strongly all right well thanks for that Jake we will head next into player watch because you know, the Premier League is coming back. Continues to be very exciting. Uh, was just curious to get your guys' thoughts, both personally and potentially for any fantasy listeners still lingering out there. Who at your club do you think will score the most goals between the restart and the end of the season? Uh, my guess for Liverpool would be Mohamed Salah. Uh, he's the one closest to the top in the goal-scoring race, and I think that he would really like to win it once again. Um, this is, of course, very hard to predict because if we win the title quite early during the restart, I think Klopp will try to rest players more often than he usually do. So uh, maybe Salah won't have the same amount of game time that he usually has. Uh, Sadio Mane is, of course, another great shout because uh, he's in a similar position and um, he will, of course, if he plays, score a few goals as well. But uh, there is a player that I think will score um, a lot more now than he's done at the start of the season because uh, Divokorigi is a goal scorer and uh, if we win the title in maybe the first two games and we start to rest players in our attack, we'll see a lot more games from him. And uh, I think that he's dying to prove the value for the club and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him score more goals in the last part of the season that he, than he has done uh, at the first part. And um, there are some rumors that he might leave during the summer. I don't know how uh, how serious those rumors are, but um, maybe he wants to show the world how good he are, how good he is, because um, he's a great goal scorer. And uh, if he gets the chance to start, maybe in the middle of the attack instead of Firmino a few times, we will see him score. Uh, he had a great game against Everton when we played them the last time in the league, and showed a few of his uh, qualities. So maybe we'd see them more often in the 
last nine games. So if I played, if I were a fantasy league player, I would look at um, the value of uh, Divock Origi in maybe the last six or seven games of the season if we have uh, secured the title by then. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'd be advising anybody to get Newcastle attackers into their fantasy uh, fantasy teams. Although if you're trying to do some crazy, that might be might be an option. We've got some pretty good fixtures first up, so I'm hoping we uh, our attackers score a few more goals. We've obviously only had one Premier League goal from a striker this season, which was Joe Ellington against Spurs. So Kevin, I'm sure that is a, a great stat to hear. But hopefully <laughs> we get a few more from our strikers. It'll be, be nice to see him score a few more goals. I'm hoping he is the, our top scorer for the rest of the season. Although I would be loath to predict uh, predict that because there's, there's still a lot that we need to see from him before I can think he's actually going to score goals regularly. Um, I'd probably say for, for Newcastle, the, the player that will score the most goals over, over the the nine remaining matches probably be Almiron. I think switching him back into that centre role, he's just so much more effective, looks so much more comfortable there, um, getting into more threatening positions, playing further off the pitch in, in central areas. Scored twice against West Brom um, in a, in our second to last fixture, um, and he, he did pretty well against Southampton, getting into a, a lot of goal scoring positions there. So I think he's the one for me. I think if you've got uh, Joe Ellington or Andy Carroll playing playing up front, you're going to get flick-ons. Uh, and he's definitely the player that can get in behind and, and score goals. I think he probably should have scored more um, this season. He, he got into a lot of promising positions and, and didn't take the most of them. But especially in the FA Cup um, in, in 2020, he's been quite good at, at finishing chances. So hopefully that continues. So yeah, I think for me, he's the one that's going to score the most goals for us this season but if it is Joe Linton I'd be very happy I'd love to see him get a few goals um, just just to because I just feel sorry for him to, pretty much I think he, he's a decent player and he, he deserves a bit more of a chance and maybe this new weird environment of playing without fans will help him so yeah I hope it is him but it'll probably be Almoron yeah, for Tottenham, I think it has to be Harry Kane, but I wouldn't be stunned if it actually ended up being Son, just because uh, Kane just hasn't really had the chances created for him that he has in the past. I, I've seen some articles um, kind of alluding to this. I think one had the brilliant title of Harry Kane, the death of a shot monster, um, because he just used to get so many opportunities, and I feel like that's waning, and I feel like Son can create more of his own, but of course, with Kane back, he'll be playing out wide, which I think will mitigate that a touch, so... Uh, feels kind of like cheating, but uh, for Tottenham, I think Harry Kane most likely to score uh, the most goals. Hopefully, he'll be able to do that in the match against Manchester United as we seamlessly transition into match previews. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is obviously an incredibly tough match to to start the season back up with, especially as we try to chase uh, down the what looks to be the top five. Again, uh, still waiting on the the word from. Uh, Cass on Manchester City's uh, appeal. Apparently, we won't hear about it before the end, or sorry, before the restart, uh, which is a little frustrating. Probably we'll find out a little too late. It sounded like July, if memory serves. Um, so we'll, we'll be well back into, into the restarted season by then. But if uh, we don't beat Manchester United, I think that's, that's the nail in the coffin for any idea of top four. Obviously, puts us really, really far behind the eight ball. Um, for that fifth spot, which you know Manchester United would be in with another three points to their name and, and us without it, so I think we really need to win this one. And I would have, as I, I tweeted it out the other day, I would have liked a much uh, smoother start to, to the 
air quotes new season um you know get a couple of wins under your belt before having to jump into this but instead we start with Manchester United then we have the London Derby against West Ham and then we have Sheffield United another team that's up there uh fighting for those European spots so it's it's gonna come come quick and fast for Tottenham and hopefully we can get out of it uh specifically for Manchester United uh Jake you already mentioned Pogba's back uh it sounds like Rashford will be back as well so uh (laughs) it's gonna be a lot tougher but as we also mentioned earlier you know Kane, Son, Bergvine, etc., all finally back for Tottenham as well. So, you know, I guess it's just kind of made the best team win. I'm assuming that we're probably going to play in a low block, especially if Rashford starts, uh, not only because, you know, Jose Mourinho in general, um, but we just really don't have the pace to deal with Martial and Rashford. I think Martial may have scored a brace against us in the in the previous match, if memory serves, but... Yeah, it's 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 going to be a hard-fought one. I, I'm hoping we get a lucky bounce just to kind of settle the nerves early, but I, I fear it's going to be a nervy one right till the end. Or far worse, it's not a nervy one, and we're already two goals down pretty early on. But uh, my hope is that Tottenham win, but my gut says a draw or worse, unfortunately. Uh, Jake, you have the now aforementioned Sheffield United, who have been on a bit of a hot streak, but obviously they do have the midweek match before you. Do you think that little bit of extra time for you to prepare you know i know it's been two months uh will help you at all ahead of this one yeah it's a difficult one that you could even say it would be a good thing for newcastle that we we're not going to have a game uh midweek in Sheffield united are but on the flip side it might be that they are actually more game ready and they've had that experience once and maybe they'll be stronger for it so i don't know it's a difficult one um hopefully it's the, the former and we have a little bit more fitness and, and the legs to go through and and play out um, where they might be tiring um, but you know looking at Sheffield United this season they're, they're a very fit squad and I wouldn't think they would be ones to to not be ready for this restart so yeah it's going to be a tough game we actually beat them at Bramall Lane which was weird um, we, we, considering we got back, uh, completely dominated in the game and then managed to get two goals um, one from St Maximin and one which was a very weird Shelby goal where the, whistle, uh, the offside flag went up, no whistle went, he just sort of walked through and put it in and, and it was allowed uh, through VAR, so it was quite a weird one. Um, they were played, got three points already. I think that the game being at St James Park might help, um, maybe. I'm, so so many unknowns, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it might help. Um, I think that maybe the, the break might have hurt Sheffield United a little bit. They have so much momentum going for that those European spots, so maybe this break it might have might have stopped that. Um, got to look for the positives. I think that it's, it's, it's going to be a close game. I could see it being decided by one goal. Um, hopefully we can get a win, but um, no, I think I'll, I'll go for a one-all draw. I, I think that we'll we'll get something, but I, I'm not sure if we've got enough to win it. So yeah, I'll go I'll go one-all draw for this one um, with the, the midweek game slightly hurting Sheffield United. All right. Well, best of luck to you in that. Obviously, would benefit me immensely. Uh, we'll wrap up with you, Thomas. Obviously, uh, building up to the high point of the weekend, which will obviously be the Merseyside Derby. Uh, you could technically win the title in this one if Manchester City lose uh, one of their two matches this week, I suppose. Um, but barring that, regardless, uh, obviously a big match uh, with the cross Liverpool rivalry going on there. Are you excited about this one? Yeah, I'm really excited. It's a it's a great way to start the Premier League over again with the with the Merseyside derby in the first game. 
even it's, of course it's very hard to predict what shape the players are in and how ready they are to play competitive football once again but uh, we are the better team in this game without a doubt we uh, we've played Everton twice already this season and won both games we beat them in uh, the cup even though we rested almost the entire starting 11 so uh, if we come back to the Premier League in the same shape as we left, we should win this game quite comfortably. But um, it's been so long since I watched football, so I, I had almost forgotten that Everton had changed their manager to Ancelotti. So it um, it's uh, it will be interesting to see how they play now because we played them uh, in the cup when he was quite new to the club, and uh, you couldn't see see what he had changed uh, that early. So. I don't really know what to expect of Everton, but I expect from Liverpool that we start, that we play in a in the same tempo that we have used all have used all season. And uh, I think that both Klopp and the players want to win this title as soon as possible. And um, they have been waiting for three months now to to win the title. So to win it at Goodison would of of course be a great achievement. To even if there are no supporters there. The Liverpool supporters will will meet uh, Everton supporters at the work on the day after and the upcoming weeks and the upcoming months. And to have won the title at their home ground would be would be a, a great thing to to talk about and to to mock them about in the upcoming years. And um, yeah, it, it of course it would be great to win the title against Everton. But the most important thing is to. To win the game and to to get the winning race back on, because after we have won the title, then we have a chance to to break the records of points and so on. And I I don't uh, want Everton to to ruin that for us. Hmm. Um, we haven't lost to them in many years now, and I hope that we can keep that run going for a few more years. And as I said earlier, we're a we're a much better team that they are than they are and. I think we have a better squad, bigger squad. We have the better starting eleven. We have to, we have to win this game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You mentioned former stuff, Dominic Calvert Lewin scoring bundles of goals, as many FPL managers will know. But uh, <laughs> as you say, Liverpool obviously very favored in this one as they continue to stroll their way towards the Premier League title, uh, which they'll actually get to play for. Whereas you know, obviously, partially it looked like it might have to be handed to them or denied them. So. Uh, glad that it'll come to this sporting conclusion that uh, all of us will have wanted. Uh, all right, we will wrap things up there. You know, underline of this whole thing, the Premier League's coming back. Get hype. Uh, if you want to uh, catch this show or our championship show or our Bundesliga show, uh, you can follow us at DPL Roundtable, uh, the championship show at Championship Pod or the Bundesliga show at Bundesliga Pod. Uh, incredibly creative names for the latter two, uh, but it's what they're about. So <laughs> go, go be sure to follow them as well. As for me, I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. Guys, tell the folks where they can find you. Yeah. Um, my name is Thomas Nygren. You can find me on um, Twitter at Thomas Nygren. I also write about Liverpool for lfcsv.se. Uh, most of the content is in Swedish, but we have a few texts in English. And in the upcoming days, we have an interview with the former Liverpool right-back, Jan Kromkamp, about his uh, time in Liverpool. So that will be in English. Uh, we also have a podcast, Total Liverpool podcast. It's in um, that's in Swedish, but if we have any Swedish listeners, you might like it. Yeah, uh, thanks for listening, guys. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman to end. I 
do feature on the championship show, as Kevin briefly mentioned there. Uh, we'll have a show coming out um, this week about the championship restart. Um, so yeah, give that one a listen. All right. Well, thanks so much to you guys. It was a pleasure as always. The Premier League is coming back and we hope you keep listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.